song, and I need to hear it all the time for myself because of what the world keeps on telling us. Everything we see around us, you know, tells us, and we need to believe in what he says of us. And everything comes from that foundation of what he thinks of us, what, that we know we're loved by him so much that he would sacrifice his own son um, for us so that we can be with him. That's how much he wanted us to be with him. And everything is on that foundation. You know, if we love God, you know, why would we again say, um, you know, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding if we don't know he loves us? To trust his plans for us. It goes back to his love. And that's why we love him, because he first loved us. And why do we love one another? Not because we have to, we're supposed to, or we're bad if we're not, or we're going to hell if we're not, or it's just because it overflows out of us. When we know, and we really know how much we're loved, and then we're on the firm foundation of his love for us, and nothing can shake us when we're on that firm foundation. Otherwise, yep, am I just the sum of every high and every low? What people think of me, they think I'm great today, I feel great. Somebody says bad things about me, then I feel down, and I'm like a wave just with what everybody thinks. But if I'm on that firm foundation, then I will be stable because of that. And so we were, you know, that's the firm foundation that we need to stand on, but we're moving this year from God loving us to loving him back and to it overflowing to us to love one another. Yolanda has retired, so she's making these slides for me. <laughs> Woohoo, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I didn't know. It was nice to hear James said, hey, I'm listening to what you say. Oh, wow, at least one person is. Uh, so let's start with Philippians 2, 2 to 4. And, um, and so it says, So I'm asking you, my friends, that you be joined together in perfect unity with one heart, one passion, and united in one love, Walk together with one harmonious purpose, and you will fill my hearts with unbounded joy. And so, again, how can we walk together in unity when, one thing, we're all imperfect, we all think our way is the best, admit it, and so anybody does something different, they're wrong, they're bad, they're not good, you got to do it my way, and we... You know, we have all these problems. We're not there yet. How can we walk in unity when we all think in different ways? Because we're different parts of the body, too. Like Paul says, you know, like the eye, some are the eye, some are the ear in the body of Christ. And the eye is saying, can't you see to the ear? And the ear is saying, well, what if you listen to me? Right? And so we're like that. How can we come together in unity? Yeah? With one heart, one passion, and united in one love, and walk together with one harmonious purpose. And that's only if his purpose is our purpose. Because no matter how different and imperfect we are, if we say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, then the kingdom of heaven 
can, down, can come here on earth right now. In this body right here, we can see the, the kingdom of God, which is that love, the peace, the acceptance, the joy. We can have that right here if we are all saying, thy will be done. Your kingdom come. Then his kingdom can come here on earth. Because then we're in one heart, right? Because now his kingdom can come. So let's look at this. As it continues, be free from pride-filled opinions, for they will only harm your cherished unity. We all have our own opinions, and our way is the best. Admit it. Don't allow self-promotion to hide in your hearts. Why do we self-promote? Is because when I need to feel good, I need to feel better. So what? When I need to feel better, I push you down so I can lift myself up. So don't allow self-promotion to hide in your hearts, but in authentic humility, put others first and view others as more important than yourself. And um, there's a, somebody told me a, a parable a long time ago. Well, it's, just, it's a metaphor of, what, of heaven and hell. And what they had, what they saw is like, okay, um, St. Peter is showing you heaven and hell. And he first shows you hell. And there's this beautiful banquet table full of the most beautiful food you've ever seen delicious, beautiful food, but everybody is tied to their chair and they have a long fork tied to their arm. And so they're right in front of the food, but they go like this and the fork is too long. They can't get it to their mouth because it's way out here. And they're screaming in agony and frustration and anger because all this, well, they're hungry. And you have all the beautiful food, and they can't get it. And so everybody's screaming in agony and anger and frustration. And then he takes the man to see heaven. And it's the exact same thing. Table, beautiful table full of the best, most wonderful food. And everybody's tied to their chair with a long fork. But everybody's happy and smiling and joyful and having a great time. And that's because they're feeding one another. And so the difference between heaven and hell is, okay, if we think of each other more important than ourselves, each other's happiness. You know, I want to make you happy. I want to see you joyful. And if everybody here, we all do that, wow, then it becomes heaven instead of hell when we, you know, just want what we want for ourselves and that's the difference, and that's the Spirit of God. So, it, uh, you know, want to uh, con continue on with it, as uh, the Scripture says, abandon every display of selfishness, possess a greater concern for what matters to others instead of your own interests. And uh, as we're talking about loving one another, the, one of the best ways to learn how to love one another is marriage. And since we're coming up to uh, 
Valentine's Day, and I won't be here next week. I'll be on Kauai. Then, um, so I'm going to share about that. You know, if we can learn to love one another in, in marriage, um, the rest comes more and more easy. So let's look at Ephesians 5, 21 to 33. And out of your reverence for Christ, be supportive, and like the NIV and most versions say, submit to each other in love. Okay, if we love each other, we, we want the best for each other, we're going to be supportive or submit to one another. And in military terms, that Greek word submit or support is huputasso, uh, which means to arrange or rank under, to arrange. But in non-military use, it was used as a voluntary attitude of giving in. Submitting to, you know, like I want your best instead of my own. It's submitting to each other voluntarily giving in. If this makes you happy, even though this way makes me happy, I want to see you happy, let's do it your way. Um, attitude of giving in, cooperation, Assuming responsibility and carrying a burden for. So it's like, I want to help, I want to carry your burdens. Okay? So that's why it says, out of reverence for Christ, be supportive of, submit to each other in love. Okay, and the next verse says, for wives, this means being supportive. All the verses say submit to, except this is the... Uh, the Passion Translation, to your husbands like you are tenderly voted to the Lord. Now, this is the problem. You see that this should really be one verse, not 21 and 22. It should be one verse. Because in verse 22, that word, hupotasso, is not even there. Okay? And so it should really read, and out of your reverence for Christ, be supportive, submit to each other, each other in love. For wives, this means your husband. It doesn't say hupatasu. It's actually connected to the verse in front of it. For wives, this means your husband. It doesn't say it, that word hupatasu uh, isn't there. So it's, these two need to be connected. And the problem is in marriage, and I've done it too, as a male is, this says you're supposed to be submitted to me, to my wife. And that's one of these things that come up. By the way, you know, when we do the difficult topic study, this is the kind of thing we're talking about. And I'm saying, hey, send me what you are, you don't understand, what seems difficult, what means confusing, what seems to be opposing, you know, things. And all of those, this, that's the time to bring it out and say, hey, being submissive to your husband, what the, you know, all these things and so on. Okay, these are the things we talk about. So come. And, but send me something because if a lot of people say, hey, this I don't understand or is confusing to me, then that's what we'll cover. Okay? But you see, this really is one verse, submit to one another. And then it says for wives, to your, when you're talking about wives to husbands, this is what it's talking about. 
And then it continues on. Okay, let's see if I can get this to, to move forward. Okay. For the husband provides leadership for the wife, just as Christ provides leadership for the church as the Savior and Redeemer of the body. In the same way, the church is devoted to Christ. Let the wives be devoted to their husbands in everything. Okay, this is, again, a two-way street. That a lot of times, uh, you know, you submit and you everything, and you're, you're like, this is what Jose. But again, that word is a voluntary attitude of cooperation and giving in. And, you know, we give grace to one another in marriage and in the body that, you know, because we always think my way is best. If my way is best, then yours must be wrong, Right? But we give grace to one another and want each other to lift each other up. Okay, and if we do that, it's actually, he goes on to talk about how we are to be sub submit to each other and to um, lift up one another, what a husband does too, to, to do that. And, you know, we have that where we, we're, we're oh, you know, in marriage, like I say, opposites attract, except when you got to live together now, now it becomes friction. And it becomes frustrating a lot of times because you're opposites. And so, you, you know, nobody likes, there's always one person in the house that likes things neater than the other person or wants things done, you know, in this way and the other person is the opposite. And so we have that, that friction in the household. And, um, you know, like I say, for, for, for males, a lot of times it's the logical. And so, you know, I shared last time that we had, uh, you know, when my wife and I had huge arguments for, um, maybe it was years, I don't even know, about how to put the dishes in the dish rack. Because the dishes, you know, it's made a certain way, it's slanted a certain way, that's how you put it. It's the most efficient, it's the most logical, and it dries the best. And she would put it all kinds of ways, and it would just irritate me. And, uh, and then finally, you know, I got humble enough to ask her why. And she says, because it makes her happy. To just do it like that. So what is, what is really more important um, being logical or happy. And if I want my wife's happiness, then why get irritated about it? If I, so what? Do it that way. It takes a little longer to dry, but so what? You know, one wise uh, mentor told me, happy wife, happy life. So, um, you know, okay, happy wife, you know, and... and don't have to get it. And part of the problem is, is because our brains are different. Okay? So, like, you know, just to explain it, because uh, my bachelor's is sociology, psychology, but also I had biology. I had 30 credits in biology. We're studying these things. And, you know, when a, when a fetus is growing, the male and female look exactly alike. But when the testosterone starts coming out, okay, things change. And one thing that changes is you have two lobes to your brain, and when the fetus is growing, connective tissue is growing between the two lobes. But when the testosterone comes out, the connective tissue stops growing. 
in the mail. So wives, why can't your husbands understand you? Because they're brain damaged. Okay? So it's not very nice to get angry and frustrated at someone who can't understand you because he's brain damaged. That's not nice because they're handicapped to, to get mad at them. So that's why they say males, they think like a knotted rope. They only can think, you know, one way at a time, whereas women, they say, think more like a spider web. That's why they're good office managers. They can do this, 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 this at once, where males generally, you know, we, we do one thing at a time. Like I was talking with Kent, and he said, I only can do one thing at a time. Yeah? And so, and, and so you have problems like when, um, when we're, you know, I'm watching a, a movie, and my wife comes and wants to talk to me. I feel that she is irritating and disrespectful, but, she, you know, it, it isn't for her because she can listen to me talk to her and watch the movie. I can't. I focus here, yeah? And uh, like if I'm on the phone and they're talking over there, I'm, be quiet, be quiet, I'm on the phone. You're so disrespectful, <laughs> right? I'm on the phone, can't you see? Or if she talks to me when I'm on the phone, even worse, because I only can do one thing at a time. But like she can be talking on the phone and say we're having a conversation over here. <laughs> Who did that? Was that Jeff or Ernie? And she'd be talking on the phone and go, it was Ernie. <laughs> okay, but, you know, um, I can't do that. So I think she's disrespectful and irritating, and she thinks that I'm ignoring her because she wants to talk to me, and I'm saying, no, I'm on the phone. And we just understand we're different. Our brains are actually, we're different creatures. Our brains are actually different. And, uh, but if we will respect one another and love one another and honor one another more than so, we, will, we do things much better together. And so there's another story of a pastor, and he and his son were picking a car for the son, son's first car, and they researched everything, went through all the blue books and all the reports and the repair reports, and which was the best value, and they came out with the perfect car. And so they, they probably come to his wife and say, you know, we found the perfect car for our son. Show her the car, and she says, I don't like it. <laughs> oh, how irritating. I mean, we did all this research for, for weeks, and I just show you, and you say you don't like it. That's disrespectful and irritating. But when he was finally calmed down enough to ask her why, she said, because it's nicer than anybody's car in our congregation. Is that kind of important? But because they were both like this, they didn't see that out there. And so that's very important, so they decided not to get that car. But you see, it's, you know, we, if we can work together, we will make much better decisions. And so it's, it's really, you know, important to have that and, and to see and understand that. And, and, and women are, are more emotionally run than the, the male is. And so, you know, this is an extreme situation, but this man and his wife went into counseling, and the wife is saying, you know, he doesn't love me, he doesn't love me, he doesn't love me. You know, he never tells me he loves me. 
And the husband says, I told you I love you when we got married, and until I change it, it stands. <laughs> True story. And that's the difference. Yeah. Because they're more emotional. They want to hear that more often that, you know, uh, and to us, we're not as emotional. I'm, I'm not a, quote, mushy person. They like to see the mushy romantic movies or whatever. But, and just because that is important, and uh, instead of logical, and like I say, if we're thinking of the other person, the, the most perfect marriage is when each person is saying, I want your best, and I want you to be happy. And if both sides are doing that, that's, you know, that's a perfect marriage. The only problem is, is we're not perfect. So we got to give grace to one another, even in the body here. Yeah? I could say I have a hard time pe remembering people's names. Oh, give me grace. Because don't feel like I don't love you because if I cared about you, I would remember your name. Yeah, you probably can. But sorry, brain damaged. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not able to. Okay? I do my best. Or Jen, you know, like I just found out recently that uh, Jen likes to be called Jen instead of Jenny. And I said, give me grace, please. I was calling you Jenny all the time. And then we can have heaven come down on earth where we feel loved and accepted and can have joy and fun because we're not going to offend one another because we give grace and understand we're different. Understand that, you know, we're not going to all be the same. So, well, the husband provides leadership for the wife as Christ provides leadership for his church as the savior and reviver of the body. In the same way the church is devoted to Christ, let the wives be devoted to their husbands in everything and to the husbands. See, this is all one thing. And the problem is we separate it. You are to demonstrate love for your wives with the same tender devotion that Christ demonstrated to us, his bride, for he died for us, sacrificing himself. And I know many men that say, yeah, I'd, you know, 10 big guys come in my house, yeah, I'll die for my wife. But don't forget, when Christ sacrificed himself, he sacrificed his pride as the most powerful being in the universe, the almighty God, to let uh, uh, human beings like us punch him, spit on him, slap him, call him all kinds of names, he was willing to go through that for us. He could have easily destroyed them all, destroyed all people on earth with a word, and let them hang him on the cross and mock him. Okay? So don't forget, he put down his pride. And what he wanted, because he said, Father, if be thy will, take this away from me. I don't want to go to the cross. But he was willing to do that for us, because that was the only way. Father said, that's the, that's the way. So, that we will um, be willing to, as a husband, lay down not only our physical life, but our pride, the way we want things, right? Not get angry back if we feel that the person has hurt us. Same for the wise, because 
we know where our, our confidence and stability is in him and in his love. Not in what you think of me, like she said. In every, now, what is important is everything you think of me. Not what other people think of me. And so, yeah, I, I, most times, because I've been doing marriage counseling for over 30 years, most times when there's our natural reaction is if we feel somebody else hurt us, is our natural reaction is to hurt them back. You saying all this bad stuff about me and putting me down, so I'm going to do, put you down because you're making me feel like I'm nothing and nobody and bad, so I'm going to make... No, you're worse than me. I did this because you did that. And then you did this, this, as you remember, and we collect, we collect all our ammunition from 10 years ago so that when you tell me I'm bad, I tell you you're worse because you did this, 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 this all the way 10, 20 years ago, yeah? You see? Instead, uh, and, and it doesn't make us happy, but I tell you what, that's the normal thing. When someone gets hurt, that they throw all their ammunition, made the, make the other person feel like I'm bad, I'm nothing, you're stupid. And does it help? No. You ask them, they'll say, no, I know it doesn't help. Why do you do it? Yeah. It comes from all the hurt. We need to forgive one another. And then know where our confidence is. So it's not in our spouse or in one another, but it's in him. And understand they're, they're imperfect too. Hurt people hurt people. So they hurt you because they're hurt. And so it's okay. So we can say like Jesus, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Because they're hurt. Poor, poor person feels hurt. I know where my confidence is. But poor person feels hurt and doesn't know how much God, God loves them. So again, heaven and hell, we can have here on earth, right here, if we're like that picture of heaven, thinking of each other more than ourselves and wanting to make each other happy, feeding each other. We can be happy in the same situation as marriage can be heaven or hell in the same situation. And so it continues, why does God allow this to make us holy and pure, cleansing us through the showering of the pure water of the word of God, uh, cleansing us and making us more like him, and that's where our happiness and joy will come. All that he does in us is designed to make us a mature church for his pleasure until we become a source of praise to him. And that's a mature church when we, we're not immaturely, uh, you did this, I'm going to do this to you, you're bad, you know, and getting irritated, angry at one another, because they don't do it my way. But be like him, which is beautiful, holy, is giving. A glorious, radiant, beautiful, holy, and without flaw or fault. That only can be satisfied by the unconditional love of God in us. Husbands have the obligation of loving and caring for their wives the same way they love and care for their own bodies. For to love your wife is to love your own self. Remember? But if we don't know God loves us, we don't love ourselves. So we, we can't love our wives. And we'll get angry at them and we'll put them because they think they're hurting me and then I'm going to hurt you and then it turns into hell. Marriage turns into hell. 
But if we know we're loved and we love ourselves, then we can love ourselves. That's why it's so important to know God loves us, satisfying its needs and that is. No one abuses his own body but pampers it, serving and satisfying its needs. And that's what the husband should be. Servant, the greatest of all is the servant of all. Jesus was a servant to the church, that we should be the servant to our wife, wanting her happiness and best instead of our own. And that's exactly what Christ does for his church. He serves and satisfies us as members of his body. So you see how it's a two-way street if we put it all together, submitting to one another? It's a two-way street. And you know, I've had heard so many arguments, and, and my wife and I have done that too, is that, you know, um, you're supposed to submit to me. Well, if you love me enough, I will submit to you. Well, if you submit to me, I'll love you enough. But, and then you can go back and forth. And, but the thing is, it's because we're only thinking of my, ourselves, right? It's me first, see? You love me, then I could. Well, if you submit to me, then I would. And it's me first, see? If we thought of it the opposite way, then heaven can come where it would be hell if we think of it that way in our, in our marriage. And so it's, it's so, you know, we can argue about it and all of that stuff, but if we just change our whole mindset to wanting the best for the other person, which only comes, we can't love our husband or wife until we know that we're loved. And then our confidence is in that. And then we're not wrapped up in what, our wives or other people think of us. And when they think of us like that, then, then we go up and down. For this reason, a man is to leave his father and his mother and lovingly hold to his wife since the two have become joined as one flesh. And this is what I always say in marriage counseling too. When two become one, that means half of you got to go. And it's usually the half you don't want to let go of. But God knows that you're going to be a better person. You're going to have a happier marriage if you do. And I'm always, you know, I'm like Jesus. He, he sacrificed way more than me, but I'm like, is there another way, God, than me giving up this? But in the end, it, it's always the best. Marriage is the beautiful design of the Almighty, a great and sacred mystery meant to be a vivid example of Christ and his church. Because it's so hard to do. So every married man should be gracious to his wife, just as he is gracious to himself, if he loves himself. And every wife should be tenderly devoted to her husband, if she loves herself and knows where her self-confidence comes from, and her self-worth comes from, not what her husband might say or so on. Then we retaliate in anger because we're hurt and hurt people hurt people, if all my self-worth comes from my spouse or every other people, then we'll react because we're hurt, we'll react and hurt back. So it's so important, again, that foundation that we know where our foundation is. And, and you know, some people are saying, why are you giving the same message over and over again? Well, you know, don't blame me, I'm just a messenger boy, Okay. I pray and the Lord tells me, 
what he wants for this church body, what you need. So I, I just, you know, don't blame me. Go, go tell the, go talk to the boss, okay? Because he's the one saying, this is so important, needs to be. Because if we don't get this word in our hearts, and that's why I love that song. I, I like to hear it every week because I need to be reminded and I need to keep my focus there. Okay? Because the world will just spiral you the other way if you're not focused on that and become a part of who we need to have that you know, uh, embedded and become a part of who we are. Yeah. Like I say, the saddest thing is, is I hear of people who are 50 years old in the Lord, um, teach Bible study and everything, and people say they've never changed. Because it's never, we know it, but it's not embedded in us. Then we can be like Pharisees. Because it's all about myself and feeling good about myself and what I know, but the whole heart is not there. And it all comes from knowing He loves us first. Then we're not all about making myself look good and and all of those things because we know where our self-confidence lies. So let's pray as the worship team comes up and we do a last song. Father, uh, you are saying this is so important for us and it's so important for me to know how much you think of me and how important it is to know your love for us, that then we will love ourselves because we know we are loved by the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, who was willing to sacrifice his own son to, to die for me, that you know every hair on my head, you knew me before I was born, you collect all my tears in a bottle, all the ones I shed in, in secret, you care, you think, you know about me so intimately, and you wanted me with you so badly for eternity that you sent your own son to die so I could be with you. And your love, your agape love is unconditional. It doesn't matter what I've done, that when I fall, you say I'm loved. That it doesn't matter because it doesn't affect your love for me. In, in fact, the ones that are farthest away from you, going the wrong way is the ones you think about. You leave the 99 for that one. But we just want to do right by you because we love you back. Because, wow, now you're you're princes and princesses and the king of the king, the kingdom of the king of kings and lord of lords, and nobody can ever take that away. You're born again into his family. And so we can just love you back automatically, not because we have to or we're forced to or to be good enough. And we can love one another just because it overflows. And because our confidence is in you, because we love ourselves, we can love each other. And just desire the best for one another because we know already where our confidence is. So help us to know this in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't we all stand for our last song?